Hey everybody, it's Moscow here, and before we get started with today's show, I just wanted to remind you all that a great way to support the Brewing Network is by shopping on Amazon. Just go to thebrewingnetwork.com and click on the Amazon link and then do all your shopping as normal. You won't even know we're there, but Amazon gives us a little cut of everything you buy, and it goes a long way to helping keep the lights on around here. So many of you are already doing it, and for that we offer our sincere thanks. Keep it up, and if you're not doing it, a pox on you and everyone in your family. Thanks in advance. Enjoy the show. The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. Oh, it's that time. Oh, man. It is. It's getting... <laughs> it's getting messy in here. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are real slobs. Talking sour beer and schlubbing it up in here. Welcome back for those who are listening live. And uh, all you podcasters, thanks for holding out for the probably two months that this took to... Uh, <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> But yeah, this is the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. I'm your host, Jay. I'm here with uh, Scott. Hi. And? No, Bevo abandoned ship. She felt it getting a little too uh, We're getting long-winded. In here. Oh. I mean, uh, party, party atmosphere in here. Oh, there she is. Oh, she's back. She has food. Hi. We thought hey, you might have jumped ship because it was getting a little sloppy in here. She that, that that face meant yes. I would like yeah. to do that, but she's going to lock her door. Do yeah, there's a lock on that door, right? Does that does that handle lock? I think it does. Does does that handle lock on your door? You might want to make use of that. I'm there just saying. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay. All right. If you want to join in in the uh, whatever is going on right now, you can give us a call. We're going to do questions and answers with the Rare Barrel Production team. Uh, we've got the whole crew. Just did a, a nice segment uh, with Dr. Lambic and his uh, brewing understudy slash apprentice slash no brewing contemporary Kale, whose last name is probably not Smoothie, and uh, that was it's a gr- salad. <laughs> that was a great segment, and uh, I think they're going to hang on with us. Is that right? Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, Doc. Do you consider do you consider um, uh, Kale your your equal? Or is he more like your medical assistant? <laughs> Kale started brewing with me in 2009, and when when he started, we called him Brew Monkey. But uh, now he's definitely an equal. Okay, so you just yell out uh, scalpel, and then he brings it along, and then you Absolutely. just slice the Britannomyces in half. Airlock, airlock, <laughs> Star Sand. Can I a uh, quick note about Kale for anyone? Can I? Do you mind? Uh, yeah, if you do have some acetic sour beer and you have some kale on hand, you know, tear, tear that thing off some stock and put that acetic sour beer on there, put it in the fridge for about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, the acidity will kind of soften the bitterness of the kale and you get yourself a delicious salad. <laughs> really? There you go, there you go. Yeah. So kale salad? Yeah, no, I'm dead serious. Wow. I, I had no idea where you're going with that, but Mike has also spent, uh, like many hours taking like a 12 course cooking class. Right by uh, the rare barrel, so I'm That's not right. surprised where that nice ended stuff. up. Yeah, but and of course his, yeah. uh, his time in Tokyo helped with that as well. <laughs> yeah. That's right, Tokyo Mike. But yeah, thanks, thanks guys for hanging on with us. And actually, uh, I'm glad you did because you know after our segment, we all had kind of some some follow up questions we wanted to ask, or just things we wanted to kind of uh, to point to. So I'll throw it out to the group and uh, see if anyone has some some comments or questions they want to make on the article. Let's uh, let's start with Aaron. Aaron. All right. Um, first off, I wanted to point to um, the, the article again and just reemphasize. I, I have it sitting here in front of me because Jay printed it out for us today. But um, this is a great primer on just off flavors that we find in sour beer. But also, it's it's actually a lot more extensive like i learned stuff quite a bit of stuff from reading this article today so uh like as far as uh home brewers that are looking to get into sour beers and to be blending sour beers and to identify off flavors in sour beers 
this is just a ridiculous resource, and you guys did just a great job. Um, well, doctor, you did a great job in assembling this article. Ridiculous and good. Uh-huh. Coming from one doctor to another, Aaron, I think, um, little little known, he is a doctor himself, a Ph.D. So. Ph.D. Not, not that kind of doctor. Fake doctor. That's right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... This is the the article itself is just a is just a great resource to uh, start anybody off on uh, identifying not only the uh, not only the the off flavors in beers but also what they look like under under a uh, completely uh, abstracted uh, model with the uh, you know covalent bonds and oh, yeah. et cetera et cetera. I'm yeah. actually a doc- doctor of American literature, so I don't know <laughs> he knows what, how to what read. all these bonds mean, but um, well, he can read them. But I can I can sure read read the article. And, he can read a 14-page article with the best of them. Yeah. Ooh, better than most of us. Um, so I do have a, just, just reacting to your guys' um, approach to blending sour beer, I wanted to ask uh, one question that I think Stefan and I both had and I'm pulling stuff on into this, but uh, what I've done in the past with blending sour beer at home is transferred it into a keg for long-term aging and then blended from the keg. I understand this might be limited if you aren't if you don't have a kegging a homebrew kegging setup, but uh, I think that that might be a, a good way forward in thinking about blending sour sour beer from the uh, transferring it from the carboy at about a year is is when I look at actually transferring it into a keg. Um, and there's also the added benefit in, in that with having um, – you can do uh, aging under pressure, which which I think has uh, some interesting effects if you're willing to go that route. So I don't know. Maybe I'll just take your responses off the air um, or – well, still on the air. Radio but, uh, term. But, yeah, what do, you, what do you guys think about uh, transferring sour beers into the keg around maybe the 10-month mark, 12-month 12, 12, uh, mark, somewhere in that – in that uh, area, well, I, I think uh, this is uh, Kale. Uh, I think that uh, it, it's it's kind of fortuitous to sit there and say ten months is the time to look, and I'm going to transfer a beer. I think it's it's more about tasting and going along and kind of understanding, uh, you know, where that beer is going, and hopefully it's giving you a good component to blend with down the line. Uh, I, I think it's 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 more about where the beer you know tasting it along the way and see where it's going, and then you know putting it into whatever stable condition you want to put that beer into until you blend it. If that kind of answers the question, uh, that's a great answer. I mean, uh, reacting to what the beer is telling you is abso- absolutely, I think, uh, the right thing to do. Regardless, um, I just you, I you just, know that. Go ahead. That, that being said, um, I, I'm still at the point where I question to a degree what role oxygen has to play in the development of a sour beer. It can certainly play a a positive role in like micro oxygenation, but I'm not sure that it's always a necessary component. And it's sort of one of these double-edged swords where, you know, we're looking for a little bit of oxygenation, but too much is, is a certain you know, pathway to acetic acid. So the the keg idea is fantastic. I mean, as far as a beer storage container, a keg is a better storage than a carboy. So regardless of whether it's a 10-month point or I don't know what the right answer there really would be, if you have kegs and you want to age your sour beer in those kegs, I don't see any downside to that. You can always let in a little bit of oxygen if you feel that your beer is missing some component that that could make up. But otherwise, it just seems like a, a great, a more versatile container that's going to give you not only the ability to keep out more oxygen, but also just sample easier. You can pull samples at any time under CO2 pressure and pull um, blending stock you know say you only want to use half the keg well now you're not sitting with a carboy that is um has this huge head space you have a keg with a with a with a, a space in it but at least that has pressure behind it keeping helping to keep oxygen out yeah i completely agree and i think your your point about uh, allowing oxygen in is still an important point in a keg especially because um you can bleed off CO2 and um, still allow oxygen in it at a certain point. Um, 
I'm not I'm not necessarily suggesting that you know there's a hard and fast line as as to when you should put your sour beer in kegs. That's that's actually far far from what I'm I'm you know trying to advocate. But uh, you know if you have a beer that you're looking to get a certain acetic character out of, maybe you're you're thinking you have a complex beer that just needs a little edge to it or something like that. Um, I think a keg can be a, a really good a good tool to that, and I've I found that in my own like uh, experimentations with with sour beer um, aging, as as far as bleeding off pressure that might build up in a keg, but also allowing a little you know little bit of excess bleeding on to allow a bit a little bit of oxygen in there to kind of mimic maybe maybe what oxygenation in oak might might occur but i mean it's also a very imprecise science at the same time of course um hold uh, on hold on oh whoa hold the phone are you, are you telling me that jay could have started the rare ballock cornelius keg this oh, <laughs> so much more marketable Damn. i think they would store a lot more compact actually That's a, yeah uh, i mean you'd lay them on their sides i'm, I'm getting all sorts of stacks. possibilities yeah. they, they're shiny too Ooh, yeah, I'm, Mike. I'm actually. I'm glad you changed the subject. I was a little worried there for a minute that we were actually going to lose Aaron to Sour Beer Blog, and he would become their, <laughs> their next employee. We, that, we might not, have not that already. Kind of doctor. Not <laughs> <laughs> but uh, while we do have the guys from uh, Sour Beer Blog on the line with us, let's let's get into some questions. You know, I, I've been promising kind of a a lightning round <laughs> setup and some. Some powering through some listener questions. Let's let's do it. Let's uh, let's attempt PDO. to be smart. Yeah, PDO is always the answer. PDO done. All right, well, that's the answer to Ian's question. So okay, next question. Uh, now this this email is from uh, Ian Crane. It came in uh, about a year ago. Uh, he said uh, he heard J- uh, I heard Jay giving lots of information on the last show, so that was about uh, March 2015, uh, about using a mixed culture of PDO and Brett for primary fermentation, oh. uh, but keeping the wort uh, free of oxygen to allow anaerobic bacteria to thrive and produce a very sour beer for potential blending. His question... Uh, he's a couple of them. What is the time frame for your primary fermentations using PDO, achieving a pH in the mid to low threes? Let's start there. Good question. A year ago. Um, first off, wh- why is this a year old? <laughs> uh, we just there's tons of emails, like we just Which don't one? get to all of them. Oh, okay. And this one, I, I was searching for blending, um, and the oh, word blending nice. appeared in this email, so we're, we're well answering done. it. Gotcha. Okay. Ian has long since quit homebrewing. I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> he, he's been so dismayed by our lack of response answer. that you know. <laughs> there's no community here. What's yeah, everyone talking about? He's given up. Uh, what did you, you you chimed in there, Mike? What did you mention? I think he's. I think he's referring to batch fifty-seven, which is around. You know, if oh oh, of course, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> the classic. You know, classic. Uh, that, I think that was Brett C and PDO. That was uh, a barrel inoculant. I think we racked two two oak barrels into a tank that were at the time. I think those two oak barrels were probably six to seven months old, and we did not oxygenate that wort. And yeah, I mean, I think we saw a pretty significant pH drop at the end of a week, week and a half, maybe even two weeks, and then. Without yeah, with a, without a, a gravity drop, yeah. Aaron's kind of that's right. Stefan, I mean, you, you're the one that kind of monitors the fermentation log. Do you remember? I mean, I, we're about to that beer batch 57 has been blended a couple times since, but I mean, I think the overall, I guess we're looking at it almost a year later now. That beer is ripping sour. Is that correct? <laughs> I mean, that is correct. <laughs> Thank but you. But to some extent, the attributes you're describing aren't are descriptive of their environment they were pitched into. We were pitching into multiple generation of of Brett C and PDO, but without oxygen, oxygen does not encourage lactic acid bacteria. So we ended up with a beer that was quite sour in a dark base that was not significantly attenuated but we decided that this beer had 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 positive attributes that we wanted to blend into a base that was that we could complement the attributes so we found you know just blending in more younger beer that was as i mentioned saison primaries correct and so we have some Saison primary with slightly different Brett PD, well, the same PDO, slightly Brett 
different generation, I guess you would say, PDO. It's a lot of a lot of this is this is a diverse experiment, I guess you'd say. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're getting there. It's it it uh, it's a reddish beer with a I don't know a heart of gold. Going no, going. Right, right, sure, the heart of gold. <laughs> Next question. Thanks, yeah, Stefan. Yeah, wow. Thank you, <laughs> You're welcome. But uh, no, that, that was that, that's a good rundown. I mean, I think what uh, one thing Stefan was getting at is that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he already knows I'm right about this. Uh, when we do this kind of no oxygen, trying to encourage bacteria, I think we almost always view those beers as, for a professional brewer, unreleasable on their own. Absolutely. That's that's what I've seen so far. Absolutely. Not that they're bad. Yeah, they're not. They're not bad. They just have strong qualities they produce a lot of acid they work great as blending beers and they also work great as inoculants for future beers and so i think what you're inviting there is not kind of your typical sour beer fermentation it's more of hey i want to bring the these attributes into my blending stock you know i think we talked about the blending article on sourbeerblog.com where you're trying to build out not just, oh, I'm going to make one gallon of, or five gallons of sour beer, and then that is my sour beer. It's, oh, I'm going to create a diverse kind of almost pantry of flavors that I can pick and choose from and blend and grow up and manipulate in the different ways you can manipulate it. So I think that's what we were going for with that. And just one more thing I wanted to mention is that uh, earlier today, right when uh, Scott walked in, he opened up a box. And we got some uh, listener mail. And I, I was actually, I, I had him grab this little note because I thought it might have been the same person. Because uh, the note reads, and Scott's better at this than I am, where he says yada, yada, yada. But anyway, uh, he's inspired, you know, he listened to the first few episodes. He's inspired to brew his first sour beer and, you know, kind of along the lines of what this emailer just said, the, the Brett C., fermentation with uh, PDO in primary. He split the batches after eight months and aged on some prickly pear cactus fruit from his backyard in Tucson, Arizona, and some mixed berries after another two months. And he sent it to us, so I think we should taste them maybe in the next segment. You want to? This is what we're talking about. with the same same yeah. cultures, Brett C. Let's do it. And yeah. PDO. Okay. You know? I normally so. like to try and get the, the, the brewers on when we when we taste, but we, we can... We've got we his phone just, number here. Oh, you want to just call him out? Yeah, we Let's can call him on the There's air. That a, might be pretty good. Let's do it. Yeah, okay. daylight savings right now? What so is it, good. like 3 o'clock there? Yeah, 3 a.m.? Yeah. yeah, no problem. That's right. Yeah, his wife will answer the phone groggily. Tucson is sometimes, it, it's, I, I used to live there for two years. What? Going to school. Yeah. Tuscan? How was it? Tuscany? I went Tuscany. from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to Tacoma. No. Philadelphia. No, I'm thinking, of the, what's the Beatles song? Uh... Don't let me down. I left my home in Tucson, <laughs> Arizona for some California grass. That's not the Beatles, man. Get back. Oh, that, get oh, back. That's the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get <laughs> back to where you want to belong. Crazy town. And their hit Butterfly. Crazy town. Listen, sounds like dubstep. Let's go. There's a few other parts of his question. I want to address them. Yeah, but let's taste that. Oh, and yeah, in the next segment, we'll call Homeboy on there. What was his name? Scott, Scott right? Sillywick. Terrible name. That's how I'm going to pronounce that last name. Uh, Probably incorrectly. Ian's email goes on to ask, will PDO produce a large amount of lactic acid in a very short time frame if given a very oh. warm, like, say, 110 degree uh, Fahrenheit and oxygen-free environment like lacto does? Opinions? Hit it, Jay. Pediophile, Mike? That's not <laughs> Another. Can we timestamp that and edit that out? Yes. <laughs> Yes. I'll, next I, show, I'll claim it never I, happened. Just I will offer, at the risk of offering too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. I think that PDO, there's a sort of... Okay, moving along. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, PDO. I'm so close. <laughs> Conventional wisdom is that PDO is slow, lacto is fast. Yeah. PDO, in our experience, depends significantly on the generation, the treatment. We've had PDO in the first generation immediately fed with the second generation that in and of itself in the barrels that provided an inoculant were very, very 
stable. Basically, no pH drop. Mild. Three point five yeah. forever. But we've immediately and racked those barrels in as an inoculant, and they dropped very, very quickly. We've gone from you know whatever your whatever you expected four down way immediately over a very short time span to 3.2 pH and on down very short time span PDO is not necessarily slow stop believing everything you hear <laughs> this don't, is by the way don't believe the hype out there. this is why we keep step on step this is kind of i mean i think we should we should kind of preface this saying like this is the white labs PDO damnosis that we've so used primarily uh, I think we're all fans of it so far. We're definitely open to using new ones. But that being said, anything yeah. that we talk about from <laughs> now, Jay, <laughs> Jay's not impressed. I mean, I think we've we found there's there's a lot we can kind of touch on. Uh, I know one of the, the the questions we had was about mouthfeel, but yeah, I mean, anytime we're we're referencing PDO here, we are talking about this and various pitches. Yeah. I think we're three to four different pitches and different generations. So. You know, this is all anecdotal evidence. I think that should be made sure. pretty pretty clear. And I, I think it's a lot of what we're doing. You yeah, know. And for sure. I, you know, I think uh, the guys, uh, Doctor Lambic and uh, Kale, were talking about. You know, they're, they're not putting their techniques forward as, "Hey, this is best practice." For sure. I think we all in the sour beer community kind of have this expectation of, "Hey, here's what this person said they're doing." Yeah. And it's not assumed like, "Oh, you know, this is the best thing to do because this person said it." It's just. Here's what this person's doing. Does that make sense to us? Yes. Then let's try it out. Or no. Then, okay, let's not do that and talk to someone else about it. So I think, you know, a lot of the, we, we are, propo- I, I, what I want to do tonight is propose, propose theories and get, you know, your guys' thoughts on these experiments that we've done. And that was a perfect example right there. Someone's bringing up a fermentation from our past that we've seen all the way through basically to completion now. And we're able to comment on it. And it's just so lucky that we actually have this listener beer also to try one of the next segments that it's uh, Brett C and PDO beer. So that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it in the Excellent. next segment. Excellent question. Let's. Uh, Stefan okay. wants to talk more, so I want to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> we made eye contact. So. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Stefan on the Sour Hour. More with over Stephane. 20 years of experience making world-class craft beer and more than 100 gold medals in international competitions, Moylan's Brewing Company is not just a pretty face in craft beer. Just ask Brendan Moylan. What do we got here? The beer of the hour. Moylan's, gotta love that big M. It's like a sign of awesomeness. It's got an extra kick to it. Let's pour this bad boy. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Moylan's. The end of the night when the kids are finally in bed, the wife's in bed, (laughs) nobody's bothering your ass anymore. That's Moylan's time. Moylan's is for you. It's to help you out. It helps me out. What? Well, because it's freaking awesome. Northern California brewed. It's brewed with love. With love? Oh, yeah. Tremendous. And it's always best where? Moylan's. Gotta try it on tap at Moylan's. In Novato. They're friggin' awesome. Not only because I own the brewery, because I love the beer. Cheers! Boom! Kilt Lifter Scotch Ale takes big beers to a whole new level with rich malt balanced perfectly with delicate hops and now comes in four pack tall boy cans so you can take the party on the go. Or come to the brewery, take a tour, and try any of Moylan's fresh creations right from the source. Check them out at Moylan's.com. Talking beer, we're back. It's the sour hour. We've got some uh, some listener beer here out in front of us. We're all kind of going through our tasting notes as we do at the Rare Barrel. We're here with the Rare Barrel production team, and I think our plan just launching off that last email about uh, Brett C and PDO. Since we got this uh, listener beer in, we're going to try and uh, surprise call. This listener, I think his name's yeah. Scott. His right? name's Scott. Yeah, and I is just, it one T or two? Not. Sorry. Well, he puts two, but he's obviously just screwing with me. He this is yours. One T. Yeah, it's three. <laughs> no yeah. self-respecting Scott would have ever have two T's. No, yeah. actually, he has two T's, and he has a, a, a third T on the yeah. next line. 
So I don't, know, I don't know what that means. Oh, wow. yeah, Trip tease. Incorrect. You know, uh, dur- during the break, uh, uh, Bevo asked, is this the first Sour Hour shit show? And the answer is definitely no. yes. And what Absolutely I'm trying to, not. It's for clearly <laughs> definitely yes. Definitely not. And I'm try- I just want to add to that shit show-ness by calling this guy live on the Randomly, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, wanna, like, I didn't want to line the call up during the break. That would just be like non shit showy. Let's you know. do it live. Let's do it live. <laughs> okay. No. Let's see how this goes. No laugh from Bevo on that one. She's on the cell phone, probably with an insurance company. <laughs> Is this Eight, like Crank Yeagers? Is your refrigerator running? Or... <laughs> All right. Scott's going to be the one uh, talking. Yeah, everyone else shut up. Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. People don't answer numbers they don't recognize. That's the problem. We'll leave a message. Okay, we'll leave a message. Is the message going to hear all of us? Yeah, I'll, I'll turn us all on, yeah. Okay. It's a lot of rings. It is a lot of it's rings. Like 15 rings. Yeah. Oh. oh, Scott? Who's Scott? Amazing. Scott, this is Scott from the Brewing Network. Oh, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Hey, I'm sitting here with uh, Jay Goodwin and his entire staff of the uh, Sour Hour. Or, wow, the Rare Barrel, the binding <laughs> team there. Told you it was a shit yeah, show. same thing. And uh, I hope we didn't catch you, like, you know, in the middle of a nap or something, but we just cracked your beer, and uh, we wanted to talk about it with you while we tasted it. Also, we're on the air. Yeah, we're on the air. <laughs> we're live on the air. Hey, oh, cool deal. Hi, guys. Hi. How's it going, Scott? Thanks for sending us the beer. Good. This is awesome. No, oh, sweet. For, uh, your beer's awesome. Yeah, your beer is really for, uh, good. Too. Sharing all the info. Sure. Oh, this, of course. This worked out nicely. All right, so Scott sent in um, from uh, from where where you at, Scott? Tucson. Tucson. Yes, Tucson. Arizona. Tuscan. Tuscan. Yeah. Right. Oh, yes. Um, so this is. Did you read this? Yeah, sure did. So it's a yeah. uh, well, maybe Scott, you could walk us through these uh, this fermentation a little bit. We actually just answered a listener email about Brett C and PDO. So what was your experience uh, with these two cultures and this this beer? So basically, I got the idea, you know, straight from you guys. You know, I never thought about bringing a sour beer. I had been homebrewing for about five years, but then after listening to the first couple episodes of the Sour Hour, you know, kind of got inspired. <laughs> I guess you made it sound easy or something? I don't know. <laughs> this is your yeah. first sour this, beer? Yeah, I was going to say, this is your first... Attempt? Well, well, I mean, it's a rare barrel clone, so it's not. I quit. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done. I'll see you guys later. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, this was like our 25th batch. So. <laughs> yeah, I was after yeah, working at the brewery for four years. So, uh, <laughs> hey, good on you. This is great. But yeah, sorry. Keep going. Uh, so basically, I brewed the uh, the red sour base that you went over on the show, and it's a 100% Brett beer. So I just bought the White Labs cultures of Brett and PDO. And, you know, in the White Labs tubes, they give you just a teeny tiny little amount of bread. So I had to do, like, a uh, three-stage starter, basically, to wow. get up to the same pitching rates as about sack. Awesome. And also Good did day. a PDO starter. And then mashed it about 151, so just like I would, you know, a normal beer. And then pitched the starters both in the primary. Scott, awesome. Scott, I just want you to know that when you mentioned you did a three-stage starter, Jay started doing the uh, "I'm not worthy" thing from Wayne's World. We're loving, we're loving all your techniques. This is great. Yeah, yeah and then uh, did the primary, finished out. Uh, basically, the bucket stopped bubbling after a couple weeks, um, and then I racked it into a glass carboy and filled up just a five-gallon glass of carboy. Filled it all the way up to the top, so that way there wouldn't be you know too much. Uh, headspace area for oxygen exposure. Excellent. And then let it sit for about eight months in my closet. And then split the batch and aged part on prickly pear cactus fruit from my backyard and then another part of it on uh, cans of mixed berries, the Oregon fruit products. Wow. So this uh, is you were saying pie. Yeah, this is Clark. partially local, too. Uh, so yeah, the, the, prickly pear. Exactly, the prickly pear fruit's local to Tucson, Arizona. Which That's cool. awesome. And let, let, let's, uh, you guys, let's uh, discuss this a little bit and your impressions of these beers. Give uh, Scott some feedback. To me, I I am very intrigued by the aroma of this prickly pear beer. It's it's unlike anything I've had before. Uh, the mixed berry, I, I really enjoy that too. And that I think we've gone back and forth talking about it over the break, that it reminds us of a very fresh berry versus, and then other people have said it's a very pie cherry-like thing going on. Um, but to me, the aromatics of the, the prickly bear are especially intriguing. I, I, I'd actually be curious 
and I, and I think by your little your, the note here you sent with us with the beer, maybe you don't have any of the batch just on its own. I wonder if I could get no. your impression of, uh, you know, the bad. What what do you take away from what flavors come from the base beer versus what are generated by your fruit additions? So our favorite was actually a prickly pear, and we, and we did just just to you know learn from it and really really taste what that white lab's bread sea tastes like. We actually did split off one gallon of it and just stated it just straight up the red base so that so that we could compare that back to the other beers. And the red base is actually it's actually pretty tame just because there's not actually too much malt in it, like too much flavor malt. Um, because most of the color I think in that red base actually comes from you bitter black, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it's actually a pretty tame base beer. Um you know, it's not, not as malty as, like, a Flanders Red, say. So, to me, both the fruited versions came out better than just the base beer by itself. Nice. Yeah, I, and I, I should say, when it comes to, like, the acidity level, I'd say it's on, on the lower end. And, you know, something uh, Stefan said earlier was that we had the repitch, the the kind of the this, the first generation PDO versus the exactly. repitch and the, the continuous feeding of the PDO. And I think in this case, it has that light acidity. I think some of it has to be from the fruit, but maybe there, you know, it may have contributed a little bit to getting the beer down lower. Not, you know, it's a very pleasant level of acidity. And I think just yeah. two very, very drinkable beers. Yeah, and no, I actually wish it did come out a little bit more sour. And I was surprised because the the PDO starter that I made actually grew a big fat pellicle. And, you know, I tasted the starter wort and it was super sour. So I thought pitching that straight in the primary would make, you know, more sour in the product. Do you oxygenate? Um, I did oxygenate. I think that was maybe one of the big differences between uh, our batch and the the batch we heard from the listener about, which is the no O2 going into it. But I think if if, if you wanted to continue this line of brewing and you repitched this mixed culture, I think, you know, you'd get certainly a different beer. Um, but some of the same nice aromatics and some complex acidity from the PDO. Yeah, maybe try to promote the PDO a little more in the primary rather than the bread. Yeah, and I, I encourage people to do that, especially during the first generation, uh, because once you repitch, you will not have to encourage the PDO. And I would even say go ahead and do a light oxygenation on a repitch of any mixed culture with PDO because the PDO will be plenty strong, in my opinion. I'm getting a lot of nods from the team, so I think they they agree. <laughs> Awesome. And yeah, even and another note, too, is that after the two-week primary, when we racked it into the, the glass carboy for aging, um, we tasted the beer, and it had absolutely no acidity after two weeks. So, I mean, yeah, oxygenating it probably really stunted, stunted the PDO because, you know, in that first two weeks of primary, it basically didn't do anything yet. So, uh, Stefan, did the PDO take longer in this beer? Well, I do have a question. <laughs> I think we all agree that we like the level of acidity, but I'm curious, particularly can, uh, curious, curious about the what the monster you used in this beer. I think it's a it's a relatively clean beer. It's not. My assumption is that you used like we have used in the past a more American monster. You're saying uh, for specifically for the specialty malts, the crystal, yeah, and the chocolate, yeah. Yeah, exactly. If uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what the differences might have been if you had used a more English malt in some of the chocolate and crystal malts. Yeah, I think that it, I mean, all the, all the grains and malts just came from my local home brew store. And, yeah, I'm pretty sure they have mostly American American brand items there. So, yeah, I bet, I bet using using the, the Belgian malts and the, you know, might get a little bit more of a multi flavor in there. Like I said before, the, the red sour base just by itself, yeah, isn't isn't necessarily super malty. Um, but it's not really super anything because doing the one hundred percent wet primary with the big pitch really didn't let it get too funky. You know, there really aren't too many funky flavors in there to me. Yeah, you know, I have a question about that, Scott. If you can talk a little bit about, you know, I know you said you, you stepped it up three times. I think a lot of questions, um, especially from the White Labs vials, you know, you talk about like the 2 to 3 billion pitch rates from those vials. What was your process in stepping it up? You know, we've talked a lot about like Brett primaries in general. Just can you walk us through like how you went about, 
what your starter size was. Did you start at, you know, what your flasks were and how much you fed it and whatnot? Yeah, so I, I started, I made it just like I make any, any sack starter. Um, you know, just yeast nutrient, DME, basically. Um, and because it was such a small amount in the vial, I started off really small. I think my first starter size was only maybe three or 400 milliliters. A stir plate? Um, I did not use a stir plate for the first two stages. Um, I'm not sure why, um, but then the last stage I did use a stir plate. So the first stage was, I think, uh, three or 400 milliliters, and then I went up to one liter, and then I went up to one and a half liters. And each time I gave it uh, about two weeks' time to, to ferment out and flock out. And in each of those stages, it actually grew a little mini pellicle in that time on top of the starter. Nice. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think that, you know, when I was just, just from kind of tasting Brett beers, beers that have been fermented with Brett primarily without, like, a lactic culture, uh, I've noticed, you know, I mean, sometimes with, with Brett only, you get, like, a lot of people, and I was reading a Milk the Funk post, I think it was last weekend, when I, or two weekends ago, I guess, when I was in Boston, about, like, just kind of the phenolics you pick up. And um, I think Lance Shaner from Omega Yeast had talked about how he'd been using uh, lactic acid bacteria with Brett. And, you know, we don't get that kind of, those phenolics. And then I sent him a little message like, hey, you know, something we do a lot at the Rare Barrel is we, we do a lot of, like, Brett Lacto or Brett PDO primary fermentations. And we, I mean, for me, I'm sure you guys can attest to this, we hardly ever pick up in our finished beers, at least at like six plus months, have like that phenolic, maybe whatever they are. You talk about vinyl, plastic, bitter, smoky. I mean, that stuff goes away pretty quickly, which I think if you trace like a bread IPA or a bread whatever, just kind of primary from a bread beer, seem to kind of hang even out. Even a bread saison. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. or, I mean, yeah, even a bread saison, exactly. So it's interesting. I mean, I didn't pick up any of those in this beer. That's why I asked about your kind of propagation procedures, and, you know, we call it a co-pitch, or you know, bread, PDO, bread lacto at the same time. Um, Double team. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, so I sent a message to Lance Chamber from Omega and asked him about that, and he had mentioned that he, he pitched, uh, you know, he's done like lacto first beers or you know kettle soured, whatever you want to call it, and then fermented with even like a saison yeast or whatever they call those, those POF plus, and got very little like phenolic expression. So I, he he commented that the the lacto or PDO whatever had like squelched the yeast character out of that. So just kind of interesting. Stuff that we've definitely seen consistent at the rare barrel from our experiences. So I felt it was Absolutely. good to kind of comment on. Yeah. And then another thing too, yeah, after after the two weeks even then it wasn't funky, you know. Oh for sure, yeah. I, I think but, we I agree. But I mean the only reason I could think maybe is that it's just such a large, you know, pitch and I oxygenated that, you know, it probably had a pretty pretty happy fermentation. And it also fermented pretty cool. I think I did the primary at like sixty sixty five degrees. Wow. So I mean it didn't it's pretty low. You know, didn't get a chance to get rip-run or anything, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I mean, sometimes that can influence the yeast bacteria relationship, too, with temperature. But, uh, hey. So would you say going go hotter would, would have made it more sour or no? I, I would say personally no because I think the bread is going to ramp up at that higher temperature. I think it, it's kind of counterintuitive because you you read stuff and you say okay and it, it says that you know lacto performs better at higher temperatures pdo performs better and by performs better i mean produces more acidity but yeast is a whole different microorganism so just because you're giving pdo the right conditions it also means you're giving a much stronger microorganism even better conditions for them and they're going to crush uh, any lactic acid bacteria, unless it's strong, unless it's repitched after multiple generations, a lot of the stuff we're doing at the rare barrel, we've seen beers get super sour, super fast. I mean, beers drop into like 3.2 Play-Doh in 24 hours and stuff like that, you know, just very sour beers. So I think, you know, a lot of the stuff Mike was referencing is us, we're looking into how to drive aromatics a lot more. You know, we talked about the pendulum in the last show, Maybe that happens with acidity going back and forth. Things get too sour. Things get not get sour enough. And then we also want to drive aromatics. We just want diversity in our uh, cultures, diversity in our barrel room. And it's just fun to experiment with a lot of this stuff. But uh, I got to say, Scott, you are maybe the best guest we've ever called 
that didn't know we were calling. Oh, easily, the best. <laughs> easily. Yeah. Well done. Not just because you're the Same only, thing. not just because you're the only one that's happened to, but you just came on and you crushed it. Yeah. Like you were almost ex- like you were expecting this call or something. You ran down the whole thing, and we're very uh, happy I to be. Everything I know from you guys. So. Well, and your uh, uh, no, your beer is no, Scott. Your beer Scott, it's not Valentine's Day anymore, <laughs> brother. <Yeah. laughs> hey, wait, hey, Scott, have you had any rare barrel beer yet? Uh, I actually was up there for Beer Week last year. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. Excellent. All right. So, so I actually, we actually went to the tasting room when it was super crazy in there. I think it was Saturday afternoon of Beer Week. That was probably and our cellar maker event. It was so the crazy. reunion night, maybe? And I, actually, yeah. I actually snuck behind the counter, and Jay, you were hanging back there with Tasty. That was the That doesn't sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, said, I said, what's up, and uh, thank you guys for putting on the Sour Hour. So you already done your first couple episodes by then. Nice. nice. Well, hey, I appreciate what you're doing because, you know, in Son of the Beer, and we called out for this actually last episode or the episode before, we said, you know, this has been happening. Now we're getting to the point in our show where people who have listened to the first few episodes started making beer, and now that beer is ready, yeah, which is honestly. kind of a... Yeah, it's honestly cool. a special thing. And, yeah, it's really cool. And Scott, you yeah. just continue that in a big way because of not just the quality of your beer, but the quality of the information you just uh, put down on the air. So Absolutely. we appreciate you. Yeah, we do. And and just uh, for your final word, Scott, can you please blow some smoke up the ass of the Rare Barrel team about their beer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, definitely the best sour beer brewery in the world. Absolutely. Oh, I'm blushing. Oh, oh, my God. Beer. Yeah, right. Awesome. <laughs> that is perfect. Thanks, Scott, for sending that in, man. You're the man. That, the, no joke, those were excellent beers. And uh, very exciting when someone sends in their first sour beer, and it's really good. It's, you know, it's, just like, it's absolutely great. Oh, yeah. That's better right than, yeah. you know, 50% of the beers absolutely. I have out there. It's just like, that is so cool. That's it's really that's, good. That's that's why we play the game, you guys. <laughs> I just, just quickly, I think between between tasting those beers and hearing like Dr. Lambix talk about, oh, you know, I'm not sold on the micro-oxygenation, you can make good sour beer in a carboy. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. this is—you can absolutely make commercial great. This is yep. this proved it tonight. Yep. Yeah. It's been a year since the podcast. Whatever. I mean, you can do it. You can do it at home. That's the affirmation right there. He, and he sp- everything he was doing with uh, the growing up of the cultures, you know, over multiple, you know, he drained it and then rebuilt it, drained it and rebuilt it to get it strong enough. And he's splitting it off and doing different experiments in each one. That is just everything we've been saying you know people should be doing and it's just so cool to see you know that come to fruition yeah yeah so that's awesome one more break and then uh the last segment a couple more questions yes let's do that okay sweet just we'll be right back on the sour hour for nearly 40 years, one organization has had your back. The American Homebrewers Association. Are you a member? <laughs> Why not? Join the more than 40,000 brewers who enjoy all the American Homebrewers Association has to offer. Like Zymergy Magazine, in print and online, plus the Zymergy app. Zymergy is the leading publication for amateur brewers around the world. Supporters also get member deals at their local breweries, bars, and homebrew shops. These alone quickly pay for your membership. You'll also get great member-only resources at homebrewersassociation.org and access to AHA events like the National Homebrewers Conference and the National Homebrew Competition. The American Homebrewers Association promotes the hobby of homebrewing, protects the interests of homebrewers, and brings beer lovers together become a member today it costs less than a batch of beer and gives back so much more visit homebrewersassociation.org Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months at the, to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. 
So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty crack cans. Tasty crack cans. going on during the breaks here a lot of things <laughs> a lot of prickly a lot of things and stuff it's very of, prickly a lot of prickliness but we're back it's we're the okay. rare barrel production team we enjoy beer it's amazing you guys produce anything yeah <laughs> we produce sour <laughs> we work hard man no jay works hard <laughs> <laughs> it's the sarcasm hour Beva was super stoked to be here yeah she <laughs> loves yeah, sour beer <laughs> Hiya. <laughs> All right, we're back. I'm having fun. It's fine. I uh, want to touch on a few things, <clears throat> some very important things, like uh, sourbeerblog.com. Oh, yeah. Love it. And yeah. they're, they're, they're sponsoring all these questions that yeah. you guys are asking us. They sure are. About Brett C. and Pedio and all these tangents as well. Well, the ma- They're our number one tangent sponsor. The, the good doctor is still hanging out listening to these tangents he's sponsoring. Are you regretting your sponsorship dollars, Doc? No. Hell no. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing you didn't chime in on Scott's call because Scott was such an encyclopedia, you were feeling a little bit, like, emasculated. Wow, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> man, that guy needs to start a brewery, huh? No. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No response. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Stefan. A couple right. other uh, housekeeping issues since this is, is our last segment. I want to thank our uh, sponsors, the Wine and Hop Shop at Wine and Hop. Dot com yes. in your face, Clark. The the is very important. Jay picks the, the the last segment of the shit of the first the sour hour shit show to get it right. It's very interesting. That's that's how I roll. Yeah. Uh, we talked a lot, actually. You did, Mike, in our last segment about Omega Yeast. Hey, they're super helpful. They'll they'll talk sour beer with you with the best of them. They do little experiments, and I shouldn't say little. Just like you know, they do experiments that are what we want to know about. You know, here's the different lactose, different pHs, different starting things. You know, it's just really good information, a great part of the sour beer community. So support them by buying their yeast and bacteria, and yeah. then through them, support yeah. wineandhopshop.com. Indeed. Uh, wine, wine and hop. And hop. <laughs> okay, there we go. It was the screw-up. Yes. yes. I'm head. Wineandhop.com. Support those who support I'm going to buy them a new domain name. Yeah. <laughs> it's all my fault. I'll take it. And while I'm at that, I'm going to suggest you guys listen to other BN shows like Brew Strong, which, uh, oh, no way, I got to get to it. Dr. Homebrew, Brewing with Style in the Session. And uh, let me just say it right now, because who better to ask than our audience? Bevo needs your help. The next Brewing with Style is going to be traditional lambic. Is that right? Yes. Un- traditional unblended lambic. Unblended lambic. Not the easiest one to walk down to your local Bevmo and pick up. What's an unblended lambic? Or as Bevo calls it. There's one not, commercial example. Which one? Lambic. What is that? The Cantillon Grand Cru. 19. Oh, the 18. Oh, is that the, that's the uncarbonated one. Oh, I can't talk third. about yes. it because it's not to style. I was totally gearing up for a great dad joke, so I'm just going to reset. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so uh, you can't, you know, walk down to your local Bevmo and get it. Or as Bevo calls it, your local Bevmo. <laughs> You're still oh. fired. <laughs> you, know, you notice it's always kind of warm and musty in the Beavmo? Scott! Sorry. Stop it! A little funky as well. Uh, the doctor liked it. You hear that? The hear, doctor liked it. Stop it, doctor. The DR. Doctor. Air quotes. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> check, those, uh, check those shows out. Mm-hmm. And uh, help out Bevo get some unblended traditional lambic for the or next show. Something that you think could come close to fitting. No. How do people uh, get you that information or slash send you beer? Uh, send me an email, Bevo at thebrewingnetwork.com. There are two E's in Bevo. For God's sake, everybody, it is not B E V O. 
It's insane. Beth. I guess her, you know. Yeah. The, the I mean, it's closer to her name. He's got Be- a lot of. Well, her real, yeah, uh, Beverly, yeah, but but no, but Bevo, Beverly, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I think is it <gasps> maybe you, Scott. You're welcome. I think it's maybe just that our audience has a has a Beverly. They have something against two two letters in a row, so they can't have two T's in a row. They can't have two E's in a row. Impossible. Uh, tall Alex sent me an email and he said, yep, "Thanks, Alex." Alex, Alex <laughs> oh no! I was like, okay, Alex. E. That's that's spell correction. I think he has be- two L's in his name. <laughs> tall Alex. Tall Alex. Four L's. I'm pretty sure I I responded to that, Bebo, just to you and and excoriated Alex. Yeah, I was pissed. He's all. Is that a rare barrel beer name? Excoriated. Excoriated? Yes. I've never heard of that. Trademark the Rare Barrel 2016. That's a great one. Perfect. All right, let's get to it. Let's 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 tee us up with a nice question. Oh, here's a okay. Here's a good one. Uh, Siebel graduate here. I understand the principles of ABB, IBU, SRN, TDS, and PH when it comes to brewing wild sour beer. But one of your employees always posts about EDC. What is EDC, and what is its importance in brewing world class sour beer? From confused in Ohio. Clark, you want to take that one? Well, (laughs) well, I think I know exactly who is asking that question. And um, I believe I responded earlier with a uh, with a text message. Uh, let me pull that up here, real. Fast. Hold on, his phone's in airplane mode. It's in, yeah, it's in airplane <laughs> mode, just to make sure that I'm not getting anything. But um, I believe uh, a great question, uh, Seth. Caller. Um, <laughs> oh, I met him. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's, tall. he's very tall, uh, and uh, he's got a little country drawl to him. Um, that's great. And uh, it means every diacetyl changes. EDC. So, uh, hmm. you know, so every um, diacetyl is just, you know, you'll never get the same diacetyl from every single beer. Mm. So, uh, mm. you know, what mm-hmm. I said is the best way to keep oh. that from happening awesome. is to make sure mm-hmm. that you bottle and chill your beer mm-hmm. exactly three days mm-hmm. after your brew day. Mm-hmm. That way, your friends will love it and it'll just always stay the same. And um, I, cannot, I, wow. cannot emphasize, <laughs> I cannot emphasize the sarcasm. <laughs> Statements made by Clark Benson uh, are not endorsed by the Rare Barrel. Not endorsed by the Rare Barrel and uh, free enterprise, and I'm done. Thank you very much. This has been a great experience. Uh, Nice, uh, buttery finish. Super buttery. That's topical humor right there. Totally my preference. Donald Trump. Oh, I know. Yeah, pairs well with knives. <laughs> do you think we could do one more straight question and then call it a night? Yeah. Please? Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> this is ironically from a gay man named Roger Hahn. His straight question is, hey, Jay, first, I really enjoy the Sour Hour, and I've learned much from it. I always look forward to new episodes. Uh, he said, I was wondering if you could give a little insight into the ginger editions for Sour Tooth Tiger. And you look great. <laughs> and also, I think you're really hot. I knew you mentioned using the Bropedo, uh, but do you slice it? Do you grate it, etc.? What kind of contact time are you seeing before Check. the flavor is at a level you want? How much ginger do you use for uh, a given uh, for a given quantity of beer? So I, you've touched on sour tooth yeah, in your what's, what's this person's name again? Uh, this is Roger Hahn. Okay, because we got the same question on Check. Milk the Funk from a guy named Trey Fallon. When you put the ginger in Sour Tooth Tiger, what form is it in? Do you grind it up, or do you put whole ginger in? Thanks. So who wants to take this one? How I, do we I do? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, so what we did this time around. First correction, though. It's not bro-pedo. Well, it's, it's Chet. 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 Chet the Yeah, he's super hard, and he's just ready to rock and roll. That's enough. Um, Red Bull Vodka. Red Bull Vodka. <laughs> All day. Uh, and so he. Uh, yeah, so what we did is we ago. took our we, – we found the right blend of what we wanted for the base beer for uh, this current batch of Sour Through Tiger. And then we took um, – I believe it's a dried ginger from – Dried ginger root. Ginger dried root. ginger root. San Francisco Herb San Company. Thank you. Sure. Com. Respect. Two pounds per oak barrel. Two Thank pounds you very for much. 50 vine gallons. That's very accurate. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, we put that in muslin bags and threw that into the uh, torpedo, into chat. Bro-pedo. Chat. Bro-pedo. And, Don't know um, what a torpedo is. And so the great thing about the torpedo is that we're able to recirculate. Bro-pedo. 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 Don't know what a torpedo is. I'm s- That's I'm a registered trademark. Trademark. Here in Nevada. But uh, we're able to uh, recirculate. Through uh, as long as we want until and we can keep you know taking samples of that beer until we uh, we hit the desired aromatic um, components that we want as well as the flavor. So uh, that's the great thing about the torpedo. Bro, and, bro, uh, torpedo. Or, uh, bro, bro, torpedo. 
I'm so sorry. <laughs> Chat, I hope you forgive me. Um, Kenny G, please don't. Please. But uh, the greatest thing about Chet is that, uh, yeah, it just it gives us the opportunity to um, to really just taste the entire process from the, the beginning and also to the desired point. So rather than kind of like that set it and forget it, Ronco trademark. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> method i have one of those uh, it's awesome there you go bevo's got it <laughs> bevo's Bevo's got it um <laughs> we can just you know we can dial it in to the point where you know we'll pass a sample around every depending on we we decide in exactly how often we want to taste you know depending on the ingredient whereas you know with ginger we feel like that we want a good amount of ginger we want it to be in there we want it to be aromatic we want it to have that little that little bit of that that root burn to it it's aggressive that bite, bite to it, yeah. Color. Thank you, Scott. Good we talked about it the other week. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll set it. We'll we'll let it go every maybe thirty minutes to an hour. We'll we'll pull a sample, pass it around to the whole entire production crew, and then we'll decide. No, oh, well, maybe it needs a little bit more, or that's it. That's done. Let's stop the recirculation. Let's use CO two, pass the you know, just push the remaining beer back into the bright tank, and let's just start carboning right there. Um, if I could just follow up on what Clark's saying real quick. There was mm-hmm. also a question on Milk the Funk about uh, some pieces of equipment that that we're finding uh, especially, and maybe I'm butchering this question, but especially beneficial for our um, our brewery and uh, the torpedoes, or bro, the bro-pedo, bro. excuse me. Thank you. Is, um, he has is a name. A, he yes. has a name, sir. Chet, Mr. Chet has been a, a recent a addition to our brewery, and it's, it's something that we're finding as... Um, a great a great tool for kind of varying our or adjusting our ingredient additions and the way that we add ingredients to beer um and it's really invaluable because previously we were adding um ingredients directly to barrels but now that we're able to add them to a recirculatory system which sounds kind of like something you'd find in a human being sounds bloody such as chet is sour beer is living yes it is living um but now that we're able to kind of uh, dial that in more precisely, uh, it's it's been kind of like, I don't know, it's a different way of thinking about the way that we're making our beers because we aren't checking in on them daily on barrels, but more hourly, actually, um, as far as additions go and the way that we're thinking about thresholds, things like that. And so think, um, well, we're, also in, we're also playing with the level of ingredient additions as we're going forward with this. So, And we're not adversely impacting the barrel. So we're not, you know, by adding something that is strong as ginger or even, you know, you talk about hops in, in particular, you're not like adding that that's going to seep into the barrel and, you know, through however many fills, you know, even though you may add, you know, KMS or even ozone, uh, depending on the, the type of rinse, you may still have some kind of hop character or secondary ingredient character to that barrel by adding it to the torpedo or Chet the Bropedo. We uh, we take that away and leave the uh, the barrel essentially untouched and unaffected by that secondary ingredient. So I think that's very important, um, not only to the uh, the beer and adding just like a, a clean direct flavor to the beer that we're trying to recirculate through, but also to the future beers that we're putting back into the barrel that we're utilizing. That's the key right there. That's the cherry on top that I was going to add. Is that we're taking steps to have ingredients less directly added to the oak barrel over time because we've seen over time a big takeaway from what we've done at the rare barrel is that if we can put young beer young sour beer or even if it's just saccharomyces clean beer at that time into an oak barrel with mature cultures that just happen to be at the bottom of a barrel that we've racked out of for packaging that beer that resulting beer that where it's the slurry in the barrel and the young uh, sour beer or clean beer from the fermenter those are some of our best beers, some of the beers we like the most, and it's got rounded acidity, and it's just it's just a beautiful thing. So we're trying to increase that as much as possible. Um, on a homebrew scale, too, call, just, yeah, to, yeah. just to kind of, like, wrap this back to what what I think about doing this at home, uh, you can use a Blickman hop rocket for, like, not to plug another, you know, do it. Oh, bl- no, Blickman, yeah, plug away. Okay. Yeah. John well, they they Blickman, they make some great beautiful products. equipment. Uh, buy, it, buy it on more uh, beer or Amazon. But they, they yeah. do make this awesome product called the Hop Rocket that's very similar to 
uh, kind of a smaller, a smaller scale, a much smaller wee scale of the uh, the bro Peter Chet that we we are so fond of at our brewery. But it, it's a great place to kind of do these similar homebrew uh, additions. If you are going to use something on a smaller scale, definitely look into purging it with CO two before you transfer any beer through it, and uh, you know, like take into consideration the whole exposure to oxygen thing. So, That's um, a good call, Aaron. Yeah, so the Blickman Hot Rocket is a is a good way to go about this on a smaller scale, definitely. You guys are so smart. <laughs> Speaking of smarty pants, we're running out of time here. I just want to quickly thank again Dr. Lambic and Kale for joining us tonight. I think you guys are still online in listen-only mode, but uh, thank you guys so much for uh, for being with us tonight. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Oh, hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Our pleasure. Till next time. All right. Uh, what, what, are we, what are we working with here, Scott? We're working with this. That's a fade out. Damn straight. All right, you guys have 50 seconds to name your biggest mistake in sour beer making. Oh, okay, Just start no. shouting things no, no, out no, now. No, no, no. We, we, can, we can do that one more. Time. What? This show. Come on, take it. All right, we're going to go around the room, except for me, obviously, because i got to keep that close to the vest. I was seeing, by the way, I was seeing Bevo taking uh, selfies of herself with a very sad face. Are you, t- yeah. are you trying to say, like, I'm still at work and send that? This, this is the that. longest hour out of all time. I just what? said I sent the sour three Who's hours to yeah, we're going to and three. I took a picture of myself frowning. I mean, Bevo, at this point, we might as well just go the nine extra minutes and get to 8, 8 p.m. Agreed. You know, I'm, I'm cool if we don't, because I'd like to eat. All right, she said, let's do it. What? There's so, instant ramen for that. <laughs> let's let's go around the room and just remind us of you know your name and title again because we haven't hit that on the the second show um, okay. and then just give us your your opinion in you know whatever nine minutes divided by six is. You each have five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Let me start with you. guys. Let's I'll go. go first. Uh, Mike, Ethelasti, next. <laughs> My, you, you dropped the mic there, but I don't think you heard that. Mike dropped the mic. All right, uh, Clark Mike. Lead Sellerman. I think uh, when you deci- when you have a beer that is like, oh, I'm not really happy with this beer. Let's just throw Brett or Lacto at it uh, and make it sour. I think that's just like the wrong way to approach sour beer. All right, this is Aaron. Um, I think that trying to be predictable on every front of sour beer making like uh trying to limit your variables i mean limit your variables certainly but trying to eliminate every single variable and uh have a predictable outcome is definitely a mistake hi this is Stefan. how you doing <laughs> my my biggest <laughs> If you wanted to cut out, Bevo, I just for the record, you would have lost no, this moment. No, exactly. <laughs> she needed to be here to chime in. And that is on that. you. That is on you. <laughs> All right, everyone. Here I go. Uh, the biggest mistake is that is taking... Getting hammered on is, brew day? <laughs> <laughs> we don't well, brew, so that's fine. Stop interrupting him. Sorry, you're right. Plus this is, gold. Is, uh, is just general anecdotal information <laughs> is is that. It's, an, it's anecdotal no um, information you can take a, you can take a cue from things you've heard, but you should, you know, keep keep it anecdotal. Think, try everything as you can, and uh, PDO works not as fast. Maybe maybe or maybe or not makes, works. As, <laughs> Experience it for yourself. Try it out. PDO is or is not as fast as lacto. Choose, choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. Skip book. ahead okay. to page ninety-three. This is, the drunk guy had the best one. How, how do you? How are you feeling, Tommy? Go ahead. I'm feeling fine. This is uh, Tommy, the new production assistant. I'd say the biggest mistake for me was uh, falling in love with sour beer. Because I'd say I feel like uh, Alice falling down that hole to Wonderland, where there's just oh, an inundation wow. of uh, information. Oh, oh, I know. I've been saving it. But Big mistake. It really does feel that way, yeah. where there's just so much uh, coming at me, and I'm yeah. trying to uh, embrace everything yeah, that I can. Deep, bro. Excellent point. Don't ever start. You're what? keeping those jeans high and tight, bro. What, uh, what, a, what, a, what a beautiful mess yeah. that is. God, that was gorgeous. So nice. uh, the gorgeous. one thing I would think was to not blend beer that you're not in love with into your blend. So if you don't love it, don't put it into your blend. Uh, yep. That's about it. there's something yeah. off, off with it, don't try to blend it to get the volume. Just let it go. Just let it yeah, go. Be afraid to dump beer. Cold it, never bothered me anyway. Away. Frozen. Sail. Trademark. 
Trademark. Disney. <laughs> 2014. It's been real. <laughs> it's been, yeah. Hey, Jay, what do you think the biggest uh, mistake in staff hiring has been? Not fading out right uh, now on the show. All right. Well, thank you to all the people who are part of the show. Besides Stefan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't paying attention. Three hours, say? exactly. Oh, three right. hours. Hey. Just, How about that, guys? Three hours. Worth. My bad. You all get paid extra for that. No, I'm just joking. Do I? Oh, oh. <laughs> no. Yeah, you do. Uh, sure. Thanks I'll for having us, guys. Yeah, Come to my you. car after the show, Beeb. I'll give you a bonus. Whoa. I'm good. This is okay. the most inappropriate. Most inappropriate Scott Devo show of all time, too. Reflect how we are as people. Aaron will be there. <laughs> Not the can of doctor. I have no idea how to wrap this up, the but thank will you. Be in the parking lot. Can I say to Dr. Lebnick and Kale, go ahead, Mike. Uh, no, I just want to say, you know, it's as a, as a member of the staff of the Ray Barrel, I'll do this real quick. Uh, it's super cool to be honored to kind of. Okay, cool. Yeah, you guys, you know, it's cool to be, you know, we're all young in the yeah. brewing industry, to be, to sitting in the same chairs that guys that we look up to extremely uh, and kind of idolize. It's just, it's just, it's humbling and flattering at the same time. Uh, we're always open to, to help anyone. So, you know. Standing on the me. shoulders of giants. Uh. Standing on the shoulders of giants. Jay Goodwin. Mike at TheRayBarrel.com. Email me if you have any questions. Uh. Thank you for listening to this hour. Thank you. Uh.